0: I do not mean figuratively, such as your ex, your (laughs) in-laws, the neighbor you loathe, or the fellow that your daughter brought to dinner last night. The last time that you probably saw him was in the comics. He is a cutesy, naughty figure that tempts you with more chocolate or he is the prince of darkness that inhabits the late-night horror movies, threatening to destroy without finesse, simply brutal, or oppositely, sometimes diabolically clever. But he is seldom seen as the kind of tempter that we see portrayed in the text. The one who precipitates dangerous crises that threaten not merely to make us overweight, but to overturn our faith and life. Not that we don't know that temptation is a constant in life. The Lord's Prayer recognizes it and seeks to avoid it. It is so pervasive a peril that polls are done about it. A Barna Group's study on the topic revealed the percentage of people who were willing to fess up to the following temptations, 60% to procrastinating, 60% to worrying, 55% to eating too much, 44% to spending too much money, 44% to spending too much time on media, 41% were willing to admit to being lazy, 26% to gossiping, 24% to feeling jealous, 18% to viewing pornography, 12% to lying or cheating, 11% to abusing alcohol or drugs, 11% to going off on someone via text or email, and 9% to doing something sexually inappropriate with someone. Now remember, these figures represent only those people who are willing to admit to these temptations. Don't think for a minute it's a catalog in reality. Besides those who are unwilling to admit to them, you also have to throw in those who are even unaware that they are being tempted. Continental Cablevision of Madison Heights, Michigan had a little trouble with some of their electronic switching equipment, resulting in X-rated programming being fed into the homes of many subscribers who hadn't ordered it. The alarm was sounded by a scandalized customer who called a local radio station to say, It was really awful. We saw it for four hours. (laughs) But the gospel story is not about the subtle and the subliminal. It's very much up front, in your face, direct. That is the way that temptation came to Jesus, and it is the way that it often comes to us through our senses, our appetites, our natural desires. Jesus was very hungry, I should think so, after 40 days without food. To be in temptation means to be put into the situation of wanting to be untrue to God. On the one hand, if you want to remain true to God, you're going to be hungry or deprived or at the very least, less than satisfied. On the other hand, you can be full, you can satisfy yourself. Temptation means constantly being faced with the possibility of freeing ourselves from God. At a certain point, as we slip off, constant doubt of God sets in, questioning. How can I possibly keep this commandment? Don't better people than me give in? And look how hard I tried, God. How can I change my own nature or my character? And character here always becomes something outside myself, not who I truly am. It's only human nature is the lie that is put to us. Humans can resist their nature, their instincts. It's the beasts that can't. And yet I recognize that I am not the master of my own actions, and I am quick to make an excuse of it. If you are right, God you would not make us come into the world as sinners and then demand of us that we be saints. Well, if we can't be quite so bold about putting God in his place as that, maybe the little lawyer in us can still get us off the hot seat. We're invited to do that by the snake in the Old Testament lesson. Did God say... And so in our musings, we put God on defense. We put him in the dock and we become his judge. Or maybe we're willing to be very accommodating with the Almighty. I can't believe that you, the kind and loving father, would really want to deny his child in such a small and harmless matter. There's no real problem here since God has to agree with us, we feel. Our conscience seeks not to question but to answer for God. God did not say to the woman in Eve, don't touch the tree, but in her mind she's already become that and it's but a short step to resentment of God for it. How can it be that both questioning and answering are indicators of the hour of testing? It is a mark of how deeply temptation is ingrained in our human nature. We doubt God to the degree that we believe in ourselves, as the snake suggested, that we are become gods, equal to God himself before his own law, and so we feel perfectly free to say with the tempter, hath God said, did he say? We're constantly on the point of becoming unfaithful and wanting to be God, going over to the enemy, whether it be at the first level of material goods, bread, or at the levels of more subtle spiritual temptation. This, too, tempts us to put words into God's mouth, but of a different kind. When things get really rough, we expect God to explain himself, or naively we are so sure that he already has. We are severely tested by some tragedy or disaster like Job in the Old Testament, and we make answers for God as did Job's friends. Certainly I understand why God sent me this illness. It is the wise thing to do. I needed it. I had to slow down to have time to reflect and so suffering seems to have meaning and purpose from a wise and conscious providence, namely God. Never mind that such tidy explanations may well fail as time goes by and the difficulty continues beyond what seems to me to be beneficial or sensible. It's then that real trouble starts. Suzanne Massey, advisor to President Reagan, after years of treating her son's hemophilia, pictured the evil one saying, accept, accept that I have won. You can see for yourself that life is unjust, unfair, that suffering is ordinary. Who is stronger? I am, of course. Just despair, my dear, despair. Only tell me that I am strong, that evil rules. Who can laugh at this and heap on Satan the scorn that he supposedly can't stand and which is said to drive him away? That was Luther's advice. Make fun of the devil and he flees. I wish it were that simple. The problem is I have made up my mind about how God must act to be God rather than merely throwing myself on him in trust. And so I am led to put him to the test in my own mind. This is the second temptation of Christ in the story. To take what we know about God, even his very love, care, and concern expressed in his promises, such as to send his angels, and then to demand action from God on our own terms. Or finally, the third temptation of Christ last in Matthew's telling of the story, perhaps because it is so deadly. And this is the temptation to take the easy way out, to accomplish the same thing by being reasonable, to win a kingdom through compromise. We say to ourselves, why must everything be a big deal, a 500 pound hairy ethical problem sitting in the corner? Life isn't perfect. Give the devil his due and walk away a winner. God knows it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. How can you win? And the deception goes on. Yet remarkably, in all this, God is fighting for us. It's incomprehensible but true. Satan cannot conquer God. We cannot conquer God. But he wrestles for us so sorely that the forehead of Christ is pouring down sweat like drops of blood in Gethsemane. We would completely mistake the meaning of this action of Christ if we thought that we are the fighters, the God-seekers. We could not seek him if he had not first found us. We are not soldiers, let alone the champion. We are the field of conflict." The last point becomes clearer when we consider the setting of Christ's temptation, the wilderness. Think about it, being alone in the quiet where you are alone with yourself. There's no one else to blame, and so we are forced to face ourselves, judge ourselves, but we cannot resist of ourselves. Because the tempter is within us, and temptation appeals to what is within us, even when we consider it good. William Willimon, in What's Right with the Church, tells about leading a Sunday school class that was studying the temptation story. The young salesman was first. Quote, Temptation is when your boss calls you in, as mine did yesterday, and says, I'm going to give you a real opportunity. I'm going to give you a bigger sales territory. We believe that you are going places, young man. But I don't want a bigger sales territory. I'm already away from home four nights a week. It wouldn't be fair to my wife and daughter. Look, we're asking you to do this for your wife and daughter. Don't you want to be a good father? It takes money to support a family these days. Surely your little girl doesn't take much money now, but think of the future. Think of her future. I'm only asking you to do this for them. The young man said, now that's temptation. In such dire straits, we must be saved from the outside. By God, active through the word. With might of ours cannot be done, we sang a few minutes ago. And as to this world's Prince Satan, one little word can fell him. But it has to be an ingrained word, a word within, a word allowed to work. When things are as difficult as for that salesman, all that can be said is, it is written, Man does not live by bread alone. It is written, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then let the power and promise inherent in those words do their work. Let them be ingrained. It is not a matter of having handy Bible quotes to shoot at the devil the way that Luther once threw an inkwell at him. It is not a matter of seven surefire steps to shake the snake. It is relying on Christ and on his righteousness. God knows that we will fail too often. And God knows that he will, for Christ's sake, forgive us. Not that that is ever an excuse to give in. But if we have let the word live in us, change us, transform us step by step, it he will not desert us. The angels will be there to strengthen us. The Spirit will be there to guide us. God wants to reverse in us all the things that went wrong in Eden. Lent is a time for that process to push ahead, and so may God bless your Lent. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.